0: Howdy, folks how y'all doing welcome to this week's we are podcast on the dk pittsburgh sports podcasting network <laughs> that's me doing my best southern accent impression or at least what i sounded like for the most part in my life growing up uh, before i get into some football stuff here i don't know why as i was getting ready to through the podcast, I was reminded uh, about a press conference moment this past season <laughs> when James Franklin, uh, for whatever reason, had never known that I was from Arkansas. Uh, so he, I, I, I started to ask him a question on a Tuesday Zoom call, and I thought my voice was my typical voice as I'm speaking right now. But I guess I must have said, said something like, Hey coach, how's it going? Or something like I don't know. And he thought I sounded more Southern than usual. He says Is that a Southern accent. I see. Yeah, I'm from Arkansas. He, he didn't know. Uh, I've been around James for a number of years, but he did not know that. Most of you know that. If you didn't know that, I'm from Arkansas. Uh, but again, I'll get to some interesting football stuff here in, in a second. I do have a good first segment, but I've lived here in Central Pennsylvania since 1999, and I knew once I left the South. I was going to have to get rid of the Southern accent. I wanted to do some TV. I wanted to do some radio. I've I've had a really good run on, on radio uh, in Central PA. And I have tried to, look, I don't want to sound like a, an outsider here. So I, I tried to make sure I enunciated very clearly. And not that I necessarily sound like a Pennsylvanian. Certainly, I don't sound like a Pittsburgher or a Philadelphia person. But I've at least tried to. Develop a non-Southern accent. Now, if you hear me sing or things like that, the Southern accent does come out. But uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I was just thinking of that before I started the podcast. But I I was stunned though when when James did not know I was from the South. So anyway, if you didn't know I was from the South, uh, now you do. Interesting news out in football in the Big Ten this week. I wrote about it at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Some scheduling uh quirks coming out pete thamel from espn writing a story about how the big 10 uh with its network tv network deals had had a lot of loose ends to tie up former commissioner kevin warren uh did not take care of everything the way everybody had thought and so as it turns out there's mo- there's tens of millions of dollars in flux and we find out that uh Some scheduling changes might have to be made. Then we learned Penn State versus Michigan State going to be moved up a day from Saturday, November 25th to Black Friday on November 24th. So what happened was that news comes out on Monday and then everybody's kind of up in arms like, oh, what's going on with this Big Ten TV deal and all this and that? So I wrote a column about how, hey, the Big Ten sold its soul for $7 billion. And of course, there are going to be strings attached when you do that. Uh, good good feedback on the column that I wrote on uh, Monday Night or Tuesday. I think I wrote it on Tuesday at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Okay, but then we find out a day or so later that the game is going to be on Friday night at Ford Field in Detroit. What I want to talk about in this first segment is the power of the Penn State brand. And what Penn State, what that brand means, not only for the university, but certainly for the football program. So I I heard from some Penn State fans that were kind of up in arms and, you know, upset, disappointed. Why do we got to play on a Black Friday? Thinking the afternoon, the game might be in the afternoon on Friday. People didn't want to see that the day after Thanksgiving because they're not used to it. And quite frankly, a lot of you Penn State fans are spoiled. You've always gotten your way. Because of the power of the Penn State brand. Whatever, you know, for years and years and years, my former colleague at the Altoona Mirror, Neil Riddell, we would talk about, hey, if Penn State was ever in contention for a certain bowl game, you could always count on Penn State getting their pick of the litter a higher caliber bowl game because of the Penn State brand. The bowls knew that Penn State would travel more. And so all things being equal, if it was – this level three bowl game versus level four or level five or whatever, even if Penn State maybe didn't deserve it on the field, they would get the higher caliber bowl game because it's Penn State, the brand, the fan base, the traveling fan base, all of those things. In this situation, I was kind of reminded of that this week. Think about this because I'd already written a column about how Some trade-offs are going to have to be made. Every team in the Big Ten, even a Penn State, even an Ohio State, even a Michigan, might have to eat a little bit of a crap sandwich every now and then in order to do some things to, that that are in the best interest of the Big Ten because of this $7 billion TV contract. When you, uh, when you sell your soul like that, the the TV networks are going to be in more control. They're going to have more power and more say than ever before. And they're going to be the ones to determine more than ever before. Hey, we want you here. You got to be here. You got a $7 billion contract. You're going to play here. But then we come to find out the game's going to be at a neutral site, Ford Field, home of the lions on a Friday night, Michigan state giving up a home game in conference. For a neutral site game. Folks, you want to talk about the power of the Penn State brand. Penn State loses nothing here. Penn State has everything to gain. This is a, quite frankly, a, a tremendous turn of events and sequence of events for Penn State. You think about, uh, why, why do you got to play on a Friday, a short week to end the regular season? It's November, blah, blah, blah. Penn State fans. You know, kind of spoiled, don't want to have to deal with all that. Instead, it's Michigan State that basically has to fall on a sword here, giving up a home game. Now Penn State doesn't have to go to Michigan State. Last time they were there, it was all snowy. I've been there several times, very difficult games. We were there the one time number of years ago where we had the two, three hour weather delay. We we're there, you know, when, when Joe Paterno refused to have the heaters on the sidelines and the player, no, that was Iowa. I think, yeah, I think that was Iowa. Uh, and then the next year when Michigan State came back to Penn State, it was a cold, but they did have the heaters. So misspoke there, but there have been some tough trips to Michigan State, bottom line. And so in this particular situation, Penn State dodges a huge bullet here. Penn state gets to go play on a neutral field and yeah, it's in Detroit and that's in the state of Michigan, but it's all ticket sales. It's not like Michigan state season ticket holders are going to get their uh, uh, tickets to the game. It's tickets are going to be open to anybody. And my guess is Penn state's going to have a massive crowd there every bit, if not more so than Michigan state fans. And it's going to be indoors because it's a late November game and you know, nobody wanted to play outdoors. I'm sure in the Big Ten in November, in late November. But again, when you think about the power of the Penn State brand, and and I have to look at both sides because I'd just written, Penn State might have to give up some things here, and that that still may happen. There still may be some situations in the future where Penn State has to agree to something uh, that maybe it doesn't want to, and Ohio State and Michigan, maybe USC, maybe UCLA, whatever, because the TV networks now... Kind of own the Big Ten when it comes to the game inventory, but yeah, sure. Penn State had to agree to play on a Friday here, but come on, that's that's not a gigantic deal. All the all, teams all over the country play on Thursdays and and Fridays. It's not a gigantic deal. Penn State just has to get used to it a little bit. But wow, what a fantastic turn of events that the game's going to be on a neutral field. I just it, here's the thing. If Penn State had to give up a, a Saturday home game at Beaver Stadium to go play on a Friday, even at Lincoln Financial Field in Philly or what have you, I'd be a lot of Penn State fans would be pissed about that because the the just the whole situation of Beaver Stadium tailgating, all that fans love that, and then the change of plans, change of travel, hotel rooms that get booked well in advance. It's a big you know cluster bleep of of logistics there. But that's not happening here. Penn State's not having to give up a home game to go play a neutral site conference game. Michigan State is. This is a win-win, win-win, win for Penn State from a, a t- an intangible standpoint. Now they've got to go win the game on the field, of course. And this is my goodness, man. This is a lose-lose-lose for Michigan State. Uh, I I just uh, yeah, Michigan St- Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State the power of their brands. It seems like they're always going to come out on top, all things being equal and the opportunities that they get and the haves and the have-nots of college football. Uh, I, If you're a Michigan State fan and you've got to give up a home game, now, Michigan State had a bad year last year. They had a great year two years ago. Who knows how things are going to go this season? I kind of think they're going to have some issues. And so maybe fans won't care a whole lot giving up that, that final home game. But what if Michigan State goes on, you know, ends up having a really big year and they're playing for something huge in their final regular season game. And instead of getting it at Spartan Stadium, they got to go to Ford Field and play a neutral side game with half the crowd being Penn State fans. Wow. Y- y- if you think about, the haves and the have-nots and who kind of controls the shots in college football. If you're a Penn state fan, even being in a $7 billion TV contract where you're going to have to make some concessions here and there down the road at some point, uh, there's, there's not really much of a concession made in this situation. This is a terrific scenario for Penn state all the way around. And quite frankly, just a bad Situation for Michigan State. Uh, but look, there's winners and losers in sports. When you're the big brand like Penn State, more often than not, in their tradition, they've won out, all things being equal. back i'm gonna get into some more hardcore football in the third segment i want to have a little bit of fun with this segment i don't know that i've done it on the podcast here what's your favorite football movie well this is not a penn state topic but i I just wanted to kind of have a nice little fun off-season discussion what's your favorite football movie i'll kind of let you think about it here there are a lot of good ones out there obviously remember the titans kind of jumps to mind for a lot of people fantastic Football movie. Uh, Necessary Roughness. I saw a post on Twitter, I think from Super 70s Sports on Twitter, a picture of Scott Bakula in the number 12 Texas State Armadillos jersey from Necessary Roughness. That's a funny movie. Uh, people love the replacements. Uh, there are some really good football movies, some bad football movies uh, at any given Sunday. Hey, maybe you love it, but man, that was way over the top. The Al Pacino and what a Jamie Foxx movie. Uh, but there are some really good ones. Um, what was that? Kurt Russell, Robin Williams. Oh, oops. uh, a, a buddy of mine's going to flip out. Cause that's his all time favorite movie where they go back and, uh, at their kind of high school reunion and replay a, a high school football game. I'll have to, I'll have to look that one up here, but Kurt, good old day. No, uh, I'll remember here in a little bit, but Kurt Russell, Robin Williams, that's a good football movie. My favorite football movie is Friday night lights. Uh, I don't, it's generally not at the top of people's football list. Most people enjoy Friday night lights, but I would say a lot of polls I've seen people would necessarily come up with uh, remember the Titans first. I like remember the Titans it's not necessarily the uh, a story that I love. The movie's exceptionally well done, and Denzel's fantastic. Uh, but I, I, you know, I just enjoy the story more of Friday Night Lights. And quite frankly, my favorite speech, probably in any movie ever, is Billy Bob Thornton's halftime speech that he gives his team. I I've, I've given this speech to a lot of kids. Uh, or some version of the speech to a lot of kids playing sports. I've played it on my radio show many times. He talks at halftime. He says, uh, you got two more quarters. After that, you know, most of you will never play this game again. And he says, you know, I've talked to you a lot about being perfect. Well, being perfect is about being able to look your friends in the eye and do everything that you can possibly do to not let them down. To do everything within your power. If you can do that, then you're perfect. It's not about the scoreboard out there. It's not about winning. It's about doing what you can with your friends and your teammates to try to accomplish the goal and being true to yourself and true to them. And I do. I've always loved that speech. And quite frankly, what I love about remember the Titans is they lose the game at the end spoiler alert 25 years later they lose the game so many sports movies they win the game uh one thing that's great about rocky rocky won he he loses he loses to apollo uh creed in in the first one and so uh, i think that's right or did he tie it's been a long time anyway he doesn't win (laughs) well i I guess i gotta double check my rock hadn't seen rocky in 30 years uh, but he doesn't win. Most get ga- most sports movies. The team wins. They find a way to win, even if it's unrealistic. The Mighty Ducks. They win. There's a cool football movie called The Little Giants with uh, Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis, where the bit the strong youth football players in town. They play the nerdy kid football players with the icebox. The girl. Uh, who was who was really a good football player, and they win on the annexation of Puerto Rico. Hey, look, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. That's never happening in a billion years. You get the best youth, youth football players in a town, and they play the nerdy kid football players. I'm sorry, you're not going to have the feel-good story of the nerdy kids winning the game. What you're going to have, in reality, is the good football players running the hell over those other kids, and they're going to destroy them. But in movies... We try to make it seem like anything is possible. And so the nerdy kids win on the annexation of Puerto Rico and uh, the big, strong football players who in reality would have run over the little giants. They end up losing. All right. So back to Friday night lights. I love Friday night lights. They end up losing at the end. The quarterback Mike Winchell, he's tackled at the one yard line, just short. Uh, and it's such a poignant ending. Uh, but then they also had the TV series Friday Night Lights, and I, I went. I didn't watch it at the time, but I watched it maybe eight, ten years later. I just finished it maybe two or three years ago. So, so uh, it, it took me a while to get to Friday Night Lights. But what a phenomenal, phenomenal TV show! Uh, very different from the movie. A lot of some similarities, but just very different stories. But clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. Uh, Kyle Chandler. If you've seen, if you've seen Friday Night Lights, the TV show, just an amazing, amazing show. Um, If you want to uh, drop a line in the comments here about what your favorite football movie is, there. Look, there are a lot of good ones. I only touched on a handful here. Uh, uh, Hey, uh, Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues. This is going to be. Crude, and I'm sorry, but it has one of the all-time greatest scenes in any football movie when John Moxon goes over and Allie Larder tries to seduce him with the cool whip uh, uh Sunday. And I'm not going to say anything more than that. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Varsity Blues, fun movie. You got Billy Bob, kind of unrealistic too, but hey, that's a real fun movie where the backup quarterback uh, Vanderbeek comes out ends up being a, a superstar that's that's a very very entertaining movie when it it's more like a major league kind of uh kind of uh fun football movie but if you've got one that you want to pick uh drop a line in the in the comments here you can shoot me a uh an email or uh, at cG sports 12 at aol.com or uh check me out on twitter but my favorite friday night lights it's been that way for a number of years it's hard to make a realistic football movie because the action the action is very uh challenging now it is a football movie and and i i this has always been one of my two or three favorite overall movies of all time um, but I consider it more of just an overall well-rounded movie than just a specific football movie. And you can laugh at me all you want. You can say it's a chick flick or any of that stuff. But Jerry Maguire is an absolutely phenomenal movie. Whether you like the movie or not, whether you like the, he had, you had me at hello or Renee Zellweger or any of that stuff. The football action in Jerry Maguire is, is the best you'll ever find in any football movie. The football action of Cuba Gooding Jr. playing Rod Tidwell, uh, catching passes for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, I mean, going up against the Dallas Cowboys in that Monday Night Football game. The football action is absolutely phenomenal. And you don't see that a lot with uh, with uh, a lot of football movies. I believe it was Rob Moore, former Cardinals receiver, um, played college at Syracuse. He He was instrumental. I think he might have been... You know, doing a lot of the stunt double stuff for Jerry Maguire, but that's directed by Cameron Crowe, who did Fast Times, Ridgemont High, uh, Vanilla Sky. those, Those football sequences in Jerry Maguire are fantastic, and I'd be remiss to not point out that that's one of my handful of favorite movies all time of any genre. I love Tom Cruise, no matter what you think of Tom Cruise, Scientology, anything. I love Tom Cruise movies. The Mission Impossible series is my all time favorite series of any movie series of any genre. So anyway, uh, I, I, I just had to mention Jerry Maguire there as well, but it is hard to come up with good realistic action football sequences in movies. That's, that's been a challenge. So again, if you have another one that you want to mention, throw it in the comments section here. To the third and final segment of the We Are podcast. Got some house cleaning to do. I hate when I do these things and and I either misspeak or can't think of something. So Rocky did lose in Rocky one, lost the decision. Rocky two, they were both knocked down. Rocky got up at the very end, beats Apollo, and I, I thought that was how it happened. And the football movie with Kurt Russell, Robin Williams, the best of times, uh, very good movie uh, from the a uh, uh, from the 80s. All right, so last thing I want to discuss on the podcast today, 100 days until the start of the season, less than 100 days. We're what depending on when you're listening to this now, uh 98, 97 days away from the start of the college football season. Again, Penn State will open up on black or Penn State will open up against West Virginia. Uh, in the opener, that will be really uh, hopefully a fun game. I think they're you know getting into some history of you know past Penn State, West Virginia games. I wouldn't necessarily consider that a rivalry. Maybe old old school Penn State fans might from way back in the day. It's neat that the two schools have some history and they've they've played, you know, you used to play some, but it's certainly not Penn State versus Pitt or anything like that, but that, that'll be cool. So at at a hundred days, and we'll kind of go along with a hundred day barometer here. how are you feeling? about what you think we're going to see this fall. Now, I touched a good bit last week on, hey, are expectations a little too high for Penn State? We're all thinking, hey, it's going to be a very, very good team. 10-2, and two, could they go 11-1? and one? Well, I mean, yeah, expectations, as I mentioned last week, uh, rely heavily on Drew Aller, not only playing well, but staying healthy, a lot of those things. But at, at 100 days as of right now, You have to feel really good about where Penn State is as a program. Lots of depth on both sides of the ball. Typically around this time of year, uh, I, I end up doing a, a good number of radio shows around the country. Uh, I've got relationships with people at radio stations across the country and they'll kind of start to do some post spring and, and summer, you know, uh, look aheads uh, for football season. So I've done three or four over the last couple of weeks and everybody always says, well, what do you expect from Penn State football this season? And I, here's what I expect. I expect a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. How? Will it uh, end up in results in terms of wins and losses? Hey, look, I've got them going 10-2. and 2, But the bottom line is, I expect a really, really good football team on both sides of the ball, a ton of talent, NFL talent, guys that we're going to see play at an extremely high level in college. Drew Allard, Nick Singleton, uh, some of the offensive linemen, Olu Fashinu uh, the defen- defensive players, Kalen King, Abdul Carter. There's just so much talent, so much momentum in the Penn State program right now. Now they've just got to go out on the field and live up to expectations. The expectations are extremely high. But at about 100 days out, given the schedule, you know, they're they're heavy favorites over West Virginia. I saw a line of like 16. That's a big number uh, over West Virginia. Illinois as I've mentioned several times that's that could be a very tricky game in week 3 on the road but as of right now if you're taking stock of the Penn State program there was a lot to be frustrated by in 2020 with the collapse going 0 and 5 to start a lot to be frustrated by in 2021 getting to number 4 in the country and then collapsing finishing 7 and 6 it is just amazing though how one season and and really Four or five games. If you think about it, there was still a lot of consternation in the Penn State fan base. Middle of last year, lost badly to Michigan. What's going to happen here? They going to collapse again? Uh, Blew a you know blew blew the game late against Ohio State, and yet Penn State came on strong, won the final handful of regular season games. Still had not beaten a ranked team all year, but one win. You go to the Rose Bowl. You beat a top 10 team in Utah, and it is amazing. Boom, just like that. How expectations, hope, hype, all of these things really turn. What if they lost to Utah? I do think there would still be very high expectations coming into this year with all the talent, but it is just amazing how it's kind of that old school feel. For many, many, many years, decades, people used the bowl game as a precursor to maybe what you could expect for the following season. It was a good springboard into spring ball and, and a good feel-good kind of thing heading into the next season. I don't really know that that's the case anymore. Bowl games mean a whole lot different now. Players opting out of bowl games. Sometimes you know, teams just aren't interested in bowl games a lot. Historically, Penn State has been very good in bowl games. But if you think about the Rose Bowl specifically for that Penn State team going out, winning the way they did, dominating Utah, uh, just keeping that momentum going. So here we are at 100 days, a little bit, couple of days less than 100 days before the start of the season. There's a lot to feel good about with Penn State football, regardless of what the record is this fall. We're going to go into the fall thinking that uh, this is going to be a really good team. There's going to be a lot of outstanding talent on both sides of the ball. And certainly a lot to look forward to here. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this week's podcast. I'll have some more stories here previewing uh, various elements of the depth chart and news at DK Pittsburgh Sports over the coming week. Appreciate everybody for tuning in as always, and we'll catch up with you again next week.